Lab World! It's your past first point guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single day, free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. Start your day with Locked on Blazers. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. Today's show is the one you have been waiting for. The Blazers did it. They did it. They did it. They traded for Jeremy Grant. And guess what? They won. They The package was light enough that you can call this an outright Blazers victory. I'll stop short of calling it a theft. I'll stop short of calling it fleecing. But if you want to use those words, dear listener, that's fine with me because boy, howdy, golly gee, feels like a fleecing. Feels a little bit like a theft. Here are the details of the deal as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. The Trailblazers get Jeremy Grant and the 46th pick in the 2022 NBA draft. And for their troubles, they send out the 2025 first from owed to them by the Milwaukee Bucks. That is in their possession, the Milwaukee Bucks 2025 first. The 36th pick in the 22 NBA draft, a 2025 second rounder that originally belonged to Detroit that the Blazers got in a prior trade, now sending back to Detroit, and the better of two 26 second round, 2026 second rounders, either the Portland zone or the Pelicans, whichever is more favorable. So if you're scoring at home, that's three second round picks and a first round pick in 2025 for Jeremy Grant and a second this year. <laughs> who, who would have guessed uh, that this is how it would have um, would have gone down? Quite frankly, uh, I thought it was always kind of overstated the seven. There was a lot of speculation the Blazers were going to trade seven for Jeremy Grant. And I, I, I said on the show, but I thought, a bunch I said on the show that I thought it was kind of nonsense. Not that I didn't think the Blazers had no chance of doing it, but just like in general, I thought it was very unlikely to happen for for a variety of reasons. One, because it's just it's just too much of an overpay, uh, and the Blazers were there would be a sort of a fallback thing for them. But there was so much reporting out there that what did that what Detroit was asking for was a, you know a young player and a lottery type or early first round first half of the first round type pick that's when many of you said like here I'm wheeling and dealing in the trade machine and I, I got the Blazers the 17th pick and what if I send that to the Detroit for Jeremy Grant and I, I responded to many of you via email that was like hey based on the reported information we have out there I don't think Detroit's going to say yes to this and then here we are a 2025 first from Milwaukee Two second rounders in 2025 and 2026. And a swapping 10 picks in the 2022 draft back from 36 to 46. Why did Detroit do this? Let's let's start there and then we'll talk all Blazer stuff and what Jeremy Grant's what Jeremy Grant brings to the table. We will get to all of it. But why would Detroit do this? Um, really good reporting from James Edwards of The Athletic, who reported that. This was the best offer that Detroit received. And the reporting from James Edwards doesn't suggest that this was the best deal discussed, but this was the best on-the-table, can-you-take-it offer that Detroit received. At, and, and, and according to Edwards, that includes back at the trade deadline. Uh, James is a really good beat reporter. Strong recommend to read his stuff at The Athletic. Uh, one of the best beat reporters in the country, quite, quite frankly. Um, like, at the trade deadline, it was reported by Mark Stein of... of, of Mark Stein, Subsack, longtime veteran NBA reporter Mark Stein, reported that um, 
that the Blazers and Pistons had discussed a deal centered around Josh Hart in a first round pick. But according to the reporting today, it, it kind of seems like the that was the asking price from Detroit and Portland balked and it never got anywhere. That's why Detroit would still had Jeremy Grant at the trade deadline. Now you get here and there was, you know, the reporting all summer was like, um, it started with Shamstrania saying, oh, the Blazers, if they get this other pick from the Pelicans, they're going to trade it for Jeremy Grant. But that other pick was going to be like the ninth pick in the NBA draft. That would have been more more okay because of what the assets the Blazers had, but still a pretty big win for the for the Pistons. Like Jeremy Grant is entering the final year of his contract and is extension eligible, and he's like a very good but non All Star level player. And and you, typically those type of players at his age, twenty eight, don't get swapped for top ten picks. It's just it's just usually not the going rate. But this is the other direction. The Blazers did indeed trade the pick they got from the Pelicans trade, trade the pick from the CJ trade. They did indeed trade two of the picks they got from the CJ trade for Jeremy Grant, just not the ones we thought. Um, I thought the seven was always, you know, seven for Grant was always too much of an asking price, too high of an asking price. And and this 2025 and some seconds package seemed like too low of an asking price based on the reported information that was out there. I thought it would be somewhere in the middle, right? Like I thought, I thought the, that the Pistons would eventually settle on something like, Oh, we'll take the 22nd pick in this draft and a future first. And that'll be it. And and we'll, we'll, and that'll be the the price that you'll end up for grant, like something akin to what Christian Wood got, right? What the, or what the uh, Rockets got for Christian Wood, which was, uh, you know, four expiring contracts and the 26th pick in the draft. I thought that would be something similar to the, to the package. The 2025 pick from the Bucks might end up being valuable. I, I doubt it, but Giannis Antetokounmpo's contract runs out at the end of uh, the 24th season. Um, you know, whether he's back or not, or, you know, just because of the how quickly time passes, what, um, you know, multiple summers, three summers from now, will, will a team will look like. Sure, like this, the, the Bucks pick could be valuable, but it's, it's a long ways away. And the second rounders are, um, it, they're always shots in the dark. I will say 36 is something like a late first rounder. Like it's, you know, it's six picks in the second round. It's something like a late first rounder. So you could say they valued that, but the Pistons gave up 46 to get there. So the Blazers really didn't give, it's not a a ton lost there. This is a great trade for the Blazers. Let's just put it out there. The logic from the Pistons is, is, you know, they, they, this was the best trade that was on the table. They, clear a whole bunch of cap space. They take back literally zero money. They now have the most cap space of any team in the league. They can make, they can pursue Miles Bridges. They can pursue uh, DeAndre Ayton. They can probably the most, if they, if they don't sign DeAndre Ayton, because I think he'd be the most appealing part to add to their team. But if, if, if that doesn't work out with a sign and trade with, with the Suns, if, if for whatever reason they can't make it happen, um, then, you know, Part two for the Pistons of this would be to be able to absorb some bad contracts and take on future first. It gives them a flexibility to go after free agents. If they strike out in free agents, be a trade partner for teams that are, because so few teams have cap space this summer, teams that want to unload money, right? Like teams that, um, teams like one of the tenants in Staples Center that has a very expensive point guard. You take on that money, you take on a contract, um, you know, you take on a bad contract and you get some first round picks out of it. Uh, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but it gives them an opportunity to do that. Gives them flexibility. They're in the beginning of, of a rebuild. They don't need, that gives them, you know, they can be competitive quickly if they want to spend their cap space where they can be patient and keep acquiring more assets. I can, I, you could pitch me on this being okay from the Pistons side, and I get it. This is just a straight up win on the Blazers side. A couple things. Straight up win. 
And we'll talk all about that second segment. We'll talk all about what Jeremy Grant brings. Uh, the contract stuff with Grant, though. He's entering the final year of his contract, and the Blazers were able to absorb him into this trade using the traded player exception that they that they uh, created during the CJ McCollum trade to New Orleans Pelicans. So that means that the Blazers effectively, it, the transitive property of trades doesn't really work, but they effectively traded CJ McCollum for Josh Hart, or CJ McCollum for Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant. I flipped out a second round pick in there to make it to make it happen. CJ McCollum, Larry Nance for Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant and a, and a second rounder. It seems like good business. You would be much more excited at the trade deadline if that is how it had gone down. Again, transitive property of trades doesn't exactly work, but the return that they were, the traded player exception that they got from the McCollum trade, the 20, 25 Milwaukee pick that they got from the McCollum trade, the uh, extra second rounder they got from the Pelicans in that trade, it worked out. It it certainly worked out for them. They're in a good spot. So they get, they were able to absorb uh, Jeremy Grant. He just fits just inside of that trade player exception. They no longer have that as a tool. And Grant enters the final year of his contract this season. He is this summer. Once the trade goes through extension, it, it hasn't been announced by either team, uh, but it, it's, you know, done deal, uh, but not official. Uh, once it goes through, once, once it is indeed official, the Blazers will or excuse me, Grant will be eligible for a four-year and up to $112 million extension. I would bet a great deal of money on Jeremy Grant getting a fat extension from the Blazers. I would bet a great deal of money on Jeremy Grant getting something like $100 million from the Blazers. Uh, that will change the way we talk about this deal and the way we talk about Grant and all those things. Like that will be, that will, that will, that will be different. But the but the if the cost of adding Grant to the lineup is a 2025 first round pick, a couple second rounders, and moving 10 spots back in the draft, sometimes that's just the price of doing business that you have to offer them, offer him a big contract extension. You can argue about sort of the merits of that when it happens, but this trade on its face is a wonderful deal for the Blazers. They add the wing, the forward that they've desperately, desperately, and I'll say it one more time for you desperately needed. So what does Jeremy Grant bring to the table? What does a Jeremy Grant get you? I would like, where does he fit with the Blazers and and what does he bring to the table? That's what I want to talk about in the uh, second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Arcade One Up. Do you want to win or do, have you played NBA Jam in the past? Well, they're giving away an NBA Jam machine. They're giving you one that you could have into your home. And all you got to do to get it is go to arcade the number one up.com. That's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on. Arcade the number one up.com slash locked on because they are bringing back NBA Jam, the, the classic video game, a console you bring into your house, and it's even better. It's the Shack Edition machine. Uh, if you are roughly my age, you love NBA Jam. It's really one of the great sports games of all time, and this is a chance to bring it into your home. Go to the website, like one more time for you, arcade one up.com slash locked on. You've got until July 8th to to enter to win at NBA Jam Edition console. Go do it. How fun is that? All right. What does Jeremy Grant bring to the table? The Blazers win this trade because of the the cost for getting Jeremy Grant was much lower than had been previously reported. I thought it was going to be in the middle. I didn't think it was going to be this far to the end. This is just a wonderful deal for the Trailblazers. So what does Jeremy Grant bring? He's the defender they've been looking for. Uh, this is my Obi-Wan Kenobi hand. 
this is indeed the defender they've been looking for. Um, you know, I, I, in some ways they tried this with Robert Covington, right? Oh, good defensive player and a, and a, and a forward who can play, you know, a little bit of three, a little bit of five, but is really a four. And I think that's what Grant is. Uh, but like, this is, but Covington was this team defender, right? He wasn't the one-on-one point of attack ace. Grant is that uh, at his peak when, when, for my money, not his peak, not his peak production, but the best version of Jeremy Grant was on that Nuggets team that made the Western Conference Finals when he, when he guarded Donovan Mitchell, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. In, in successive playoff series. They put him on the best player on the court, and he was guarding apex wings like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. If nothing else, the Blazers have been searching for the answer when they play against those apex wings, when they play against the Kevin Durant's of the world, the LeBron James, the, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Paul George's, all those things. Like, Who guards him? Oh, well, we've got a bunch of bad options. The answer, even if Jeremy Grant isn't a perfect answer, even if it's not an all-world defender, he's the answer now. Grant is a wonderful point-of-attack defender. He's not like... Uh, all defense type of guy, but he's just, he's really good as a, as the guy you put on the ball. He's probably worse as an off ball helper type, although he's got some weak side skills because of his length and defensive anticipation, but you can put him on the ball and he can shut folks down. He's a good isolation defender, something the Blazers have desperately, desperately needed. Uh, For my money, that role that he played in Denver was the role that you hope he plays in Portland, where he was the third and sometimes fourth option on offense. Um, really the third, unless Michael Porter got going, but it was like he was behind in the pecking order, Jamal, a ton of Jamal Murray and, and Jokic two-man game, and then it was Grant filling in filling in the gaps beyond there. Uh, that is my, For me, that's what you want from Grant. You want him to be that. You want it to be Dame running pick and rolls with Nurk. You want um, some ant attacks and running pick and rolls with Grant, and you want Grant to be your third guy on offense. Because when he was a low-usage guy, he was a really efficient shooter. Um over the last four years and prior, or the two years prior to uh, joining the Detroit Pistons with OKC and uh, and uh, Denver, forgetting the Nuggets name after I just talked about him, but OKC and Denver, he shot uh, 40 and then 39% from three and played that really high level defense. Then he went to Detroit. This is what he wanted to do. He got his big contract. He was able to spread his wings, uh, reportedly turned down basically similar money in Denver to go with a bigger role and be the guy with the Pistons. And being the guy with the Pistons meant he was a really high usage guy and his efficiency suffered a little bit, but not crazy. Uh, Over two seasons in Detroit, he shot 35.8% from three on six attempts per game. Um, His assist numbers uh, went to all time high, but he just had the ball in his hands way more. Like his assist to usage numbers, according to Cleaning the Glass, were some of the lowest in the league, although his just sort of raw assist numbers absolutely skyrocketed. He just had the ball in his hands more. He got to do more stuff. Um, He's been a better above-the-break three-point shooter than a corner three-point shooter, so I think just parking him in the corner while he'd be darn good at it, giving him a little bit of creation opportunities is totally fine. He's shown he can do more on the ball with with Detroit than he had previously uh previously with in his prior stops where he was a a role player and a low usage role player at that he got to spread his wings got to show what he could be and in this first year in Detroit he averaged 22 points per game 4.6 boards and just shy of three assists and then last season um which included him at the end of last year took a took a step back it was more of a complementary tertiary role behind Cade Cunningham behind Sadiq Bay averaged at the end of the season 19 or by the end of the season his final last seasons averages 19.2 points 4.1 boards and 2.4 assists he was what he he was injured missed a bunch of time they kind of turned the keys over to Sadiq Bay and Cade Cunningham and when Grant came back he wasn't the guy anymore and he was pretty comfortable in that role and looked better in that role than he had prior to that 
That is what you're hoping for the Blazers. Because at at the best version of Jeremy Grant is exactly what they've needed. A dude who can guard in space, guard at the point of the attack, take on those positions, has length at six foot nine, is, you know, in his physical prime at 28 years old, uh, can shoot it from three, you know, slightly below average three-point shooter the last two years, but over the last four years, uh, over the last four seasons, 37.1%, including his two sh- two um, stops, two seasons in Detroit. So, like, that's right at league average, or actually last year a shade above league average because uh, the empty arena seasons really, really pushed up that league average from three. But it's like he's a slightly above average shooter and above average defender at a d- desperate position of need. What position does he play? I don't really think it matters. Like, I think he's, like I said, I think He's more four than three, and I think he can play a little bit of small ball five if you have the right guys around him. Um, and you and it's like a team that you can go small against. Like you're not going to do it against Embiid and Jokic or whatever. But um, he he can play that position. I don't really think there's an important distinction between him playing four versus him playing three. I would think two things. Um, he's not he's not a great playmaker. Like he's 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 not a great playmaker. So you want other playmakers around him whatever position they play but he's also just not a great rebounder like he's 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 been a low his rebound rate is really low um both on, on both sides of the ball offensive and defensive rebounding so you really um playing him at 4 without another elite rebounder or or could be problematic for a team that also employs uh Dame and and Ant like it's that's tough but I will say this, as we stand here today, you can pencil Jeremy Grant in at starting at whatever forward spot you want, probably plug him in at the four because they don't have any fours really on the roster, plug him in at the four and the Blazers look like a team that is um, already right now going to compete for a playoff spot pretty handily and they're not done. In this, they get Grant, solid defender. Solid shooter, the three and D forward that they've desperately needed. A guy who's shown that he can be more than that, averaging close to 20 points per game, you know, over 20 and then just shy of 20 the last two years. Josie can be more than that. The best version of Jeremy Grant probably averages like, you know, 15 and three and three in Portland, but plays great defense even with those lightly, the worst box score numbers, right? Uh, Occasionally explodes for 36, but mostly scores, you know, between 12 and 17 points and just gets it done every night as that, you know, 15 to 17 point per game score and a really good defensive player. But they didn't trade their biggest trade chip. And they are on the hunt for more. Specifically, OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors. According to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, the Blazers are still pursuing OG Ananobi. For real. For real, Joe Cronin in his second round of team building after tearing this thing down has already swung a trade for the exact type of forward they've needed without giving up his best asset and the Blazers are still on the pursuit for perhaps the perhaps the ideal forward pairing next to, to Grant you could possibly ask for. Um, a Let's talk about OG Ananobi in the third segment to close the show. Join me, will you? Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers, and the Blazers are not done. They are armed with the seventh pick in the NBA draft and a chance to upgrade the roster. And according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, are still actively pursuing OG Ananobi. Let's be clear. Uh, the Haynes, the Blazers are not, pers- are still are pursuing OG Ananobi is not new news. Uh, th- 
Bleacher, Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher has been on this all week that Portland's number one target has been OG Ananobi. But uh, let me take you behind this, uh, behind the bit a little bit. Uh, I was going to do a rumor roundup today and mock draft stuff. The Blazers mock drafts, I'm going to run through these in 40 seconds and we'll call it done. Yahoo has, Yahoo's Kristen Peak has him taken Ben Matherin. CBS Matt Norlander has him taken AJ Griffin. The Ringers Kevin O'Connor has him taken Shaden Sharp. Jonathan Gavoni at ESPN has Dyson Daniels. The Athletics Sam Vecini has Dyson Daniels. The Athletics John Hollinger has Shaden Sharp. At USA Today, Brian Kalbrowski has the Blazers taken Jeremy Sohan. At Bleacher Report's Shaden Sharp, according to Jonathan Wasserman, and that's SI from Jeremy Wu, Dyson Daniels. Consensus seems to like to be Dyson Daniels. Maybe it'll be Dyson Daniels. If it is, we'll talk about it so much in the post, post-draft show tomorrow. But the Blazers want to trade this seventh pick for OG Ananobi. It has been reported so much that they that's been their number one target by um, multiple sources, uh, Mark Stein, uh, Jake Fisher, a bunch. Jake Fisher's been on this. And then today, Chris Haynes. But Haynes is like, he is he is a Dame whisperer. He's been super, super plugged into Dame's camp and Dame's people. He wouldn't have, Chris Haynes would not have dropped this with the timing he dropped it if it wasn't close or at least real, uh, like real, real, like traction there. Wow, would that be a heck of an offseason. OG and Jeremy Grant armed with arms with what quite frankly was a disappointing haul following the CJ McCollum trade a, a, a worthwhile risk that didn't work out until it did and they traded that exact haul for Jeremy Grant who boy how would they get OG Ananobi it's a little bit trickier now that they've used the traded player exception on Jeremy Grant um Grant will be absorbed into that traded player exception and you can't really structure the trade in any other way because the value to the Pistons is the getting out, getting the money, right? Getting the cap space. So that TPE is gone. Um, that was going to be their path to absorb OG and Anobi. Now they've got to make the salary work. So the basis of a trade would be Hart and number seven for OG. And then there are two players that are reasonable asks for the for the Raptors that would get it done. Either Justice Winslow or Nazir Little. You better believe. You better believe the Raptors are going to ask for Hart, Nazir Little, and Seven. And you better believe that the Blazers are going to push back and say, no, no. OG Ananobi wants out. You know what happens. Seven is a great pick. You have a chance to get Dyson Daniels. He's the he's a classic Raptor, a big, long, funky wing who can't shoot and is a really good defender. There could not be a more Raptors player in that top seven than him. Uh, maybe Chet, but I think it's really Dyson Daniels is like the perfect Raptor in some ways um, for what they want to do. Uh, Bobby Webster said, the Raptors GM said this week that you know what we're doing here. De- versatility, defense, and if they can make a shot, great. That is the Dyson Daniels scouting report. Versatility, defense, and I, if he can make a shot, great. So the package of Dyson Daniels, Josh Hart, and Winslow or Hart, obviously, or Winslow or uh, Nazir Little. Obviously, Nazir Little is a way more valuable piece. You know, entering the final year of his contract, but he's just like straight up has just a lot more upside than Justice Winslow. Although Justice Winslow does sort of, in some ways, fit the defense, versatility, and if he can make a shot, great. Uh, but I would argue Nazir Little also fits that. So it would have to be players. You would have to get the salary to match to match it. But it's real. Like, the Blazers are going to pursue this. This is a real thing that is going to happen. This would be the most impressive offseason in the 
I think this is my ninth season uh, doing Blazer stuff, full time, part time, time. Ninth, ninth season doing this. This would be the best off season they've ever had in my close to a decade doing this. This would be one of the great off seasons that the teams ever had. Period. Just in terms of talent acquisition, um, you know, you could argue like the summer they drafted Dame and the Brandon and Roy Lamarcus Aldridge summer have been really good, and and the retooling summer that added Scottie Pippen, uh, like. They've had some, you know, the last 20 years, have had, they've had some nice, nice, nice summers to make it happen. Uh, but like, they typically haven't been a player like this. This would be, you know, two young guys who are, you know, not all-stars, to be clear, not all-stars. Um, but, you know, positions of need, valuable players, the exact type of player that seems to be highly coveted around the league. And if they could pull it off, it would be really, really, really something. I think just reading the tea leaves here, um, you know, the Blazers have obviously been openly pursuing OG Ananobi, and I think there's some resistance from the, the Toronto side, and I even heard Jonathan Gavoni and Zach Lowe talking about the, the podcast, that it's like they don't really understand the push from Toronto. Why would they Why would they make that trade for the rumored package of what the Blazers have to offer just because, like, OG Ananobi is more valuable than whoever they're going to get the seventh pick over the next, you know, four, five, six seasons. Uh, I believe, I, I believe Zach Lowe was, was emphatic. The next six seasons from age 24 to 30 of OG Ananobi are just wildly more valuable than seven. And I would probably agree with him, which is why I've been really skeptical of that trade going down. I was also pretty skeptical of, of uh, the Blazers getting Jeremy Grant and look at what my skepticism has wrought. Jeremy Grant back in Portland back because he's Harvey Grant's son. He was born here, but, um, it's, um, that's neither here nor there, but if, if the OG thing is real, like it has legs, I don't know that it'll get done, but it's real. Like it's the, it's just reading the tea leaves based on all of the reporting that, you know, folks like Stein and Fisher have done and the sort of timing of the report from Haynes. This is, there is juice there. Uh, it's, it's, it could happen. I would say, you know, I don't know. I, I would say it's a little less than a coin flip, like 40-60 for, for OG, but like real, a 40% chance of acquiring OG in Anobi is incredibly high and it's real. Uh, and this would be a, a just a fantastic victory for the Blazers. Sure, they wouldn't end up with a cost-controlled asset and a first-round pick, but if that's what it would take to get it done, even if they have to give away 46 and some other future stuff, um, not as long as it's not like multiple firsts because they don't really have multiple firsts to give away, um, because they owe it to the Chicago Bulls. Like this would put the Blazers in, I don't think, you know, championship contention. I think it's a little too far away, but like one of the good teams in the West, they would immediately, although they would give up some depth and they'd have to like figure out how to make the depth happen with their uh, mid-level exception over the summer and some veteran, adding some veteran guys. Like they would have a starting five that makes a ton of sense, is good on both ends of the floor and can grow together over several seasons. This would be the ideal starting group and have a five-man, the last time the Blazers had a five-man group that made that much sense, they just kind of tried to figure out spots six through eight and they won 54 games with that you know Wesley Matthews Nicholas Batum Dame LaMarcus Robin Lopez core like they didn't have great depth they tried to figure out with Steve Blake and Chris Kamen but like get five guys that really make sense together keep whatever of Winslow and Little that you get to keep add someone with the 46 pick add someone with mid-level exception and now you're an appealing spot because there's a playing time and b a really good roster around them you have much more leverage than you did before you've had a really good summer the Blazers with this trade for Jeremy Grant set themselves up to be real players real 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 players and if they get OG um 
I think we just throw a, throw a party. Tomorrow's podcast will just be a party. It'll just be like a, a, one of the great, one of the great celebrations of our time because it will be a truly, truly impressive 48-hour stretch for Joe Cronin, who I will remind you took a lot of heat from Blazer fans. Um, and I am not one of those to be like, "Hey, Cronin's like, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be caping for a." <laughs> for a team executive. That is not, I do not care. Uh, but he took a lot of heat and step two of the process looks pretty darn impressive. Um, good, good, good beginning of the second act of Cronin and armed with a chance to do more because he just didn't give up that much stuff for Jeremy Grant. I want to share this anecdote, uh, because those of you who've listened this deep in the podcast deserve the story. Uh, so I'm I'm you know I'm not I'm not a big breaking news guy I don't I don't see that as my role um, and I, and I qu- quite frankly don't pursue it but I was talking to someone who works uh, in an agency around connected to the league in in one of the agencies and uh, this person told me that they thought that the grant to Portland stuff was dead uh, and this was earlier this week this Monday morning and I was like yeah that makes sense to me didn't mention it on the show whatever just like you know, chatting with someone. They tell me that. Someone who was plugged in tells me that the Jeremy Grant to uh, to Portland stuff is dead on Monday. Cool. Got it. Great. Uh, then the Jeremy Grant trade goes down and I hear from someone else, totally disconnected other person. <laughs> they say that the Blazers have been working on this Jeremy Grant trade for over a week and it's kind of been happening. Like the momentum has picked up over the last week. So uh, it was a real reminder to um, pencil down which sources nail it and which sources don't, because I was told pretty pretty plainly on Monday that it was dead, dead, dead. And then on Wednesday morning, it happened. And I heard from someone else, oh no, this has been in the, in the works. Like they've been, they've been, this has been getting closer and closer after the last week. Uh, <laughs> it's a reminder of how funny this, uh, this business is. And probably one of the reasons that I am not in the sort of breaking news game, because I would have been wrong Monday and then right after the fact and being right after the fact, uh, right, quote unquote, I would have learned after the fact what actually was happening. And that's not going to do me any good. But I wanted to share that story with you, dear listeners who made it to this deep in the, sh- deep in the podcast, because it was pretty funny to me how that one went down. How about it? It's draft day. The Blazers still have seven. They have a chance to pursue OG Ananobi. Uh Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked on NBA uh, Locked on NBA YouTube channel. We will have a ton of shows, live content, all of our all of our draft analysts, all of the hosts from around the country, around the around the continent will um, be coming in with a reaction to picks. Uh, very few places on earth can give you this type of local connection. I don't. I really don't think anywhere else can do it like Locked on does. So make sure you're subscribed to the Locked on NBA channel because that's going to be a ton of fun. And then make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and to the podcast because uh, right after stuff goes down on draft night or if the trade goes down before that and the Blazers aren't in the draft, we will have a show for you. I will have a show for you. So make sure you tune into that one. Tell your friends to do the same. Make it your first listen every day. It's draft day. It's one of the most fun days of the year, and the Blazers are armed to make this team a whole lot better. A great day for Portland and a chance to make another one, a chance to have another one on Thursday. How about it? A lot of fun. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>